Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne. And this is Jess. We're happy to have you here. Last week, we wrapped up our series on trauma, and that was um, really meaningful. Um, Jess, do you want to share some of the comments that you were getting about our trauma series? Yeah, I had a couple people talk to me about it and tell me it's just helped them to um, just under a first understand what trauma is, right? Like what our episode on what is trauma and that a lot of people have trauma and that it doesn't have to be um, this major, my life was in danger event. It's just really how our bodies and our brains perceive it. So that has been helpful. And even the, um, just conversations about skills, tools, and resources mm-hmm. on dealing with trauma. Um, I've just feel like a lot of the feedback that I've gotten has just said it's helped them to have a better understanding and framework for it. So I'm glad that that seems to be helpful. Yeah. I've had a couple of people say that, the way we talked about window of tolerance was really helpful too, because they may have heard that term before or maybe not. And now they have just a way of conceptualizing what's happening when they're feeling like really agitated Mm -hmm. or maybe just like totally shut down to the world. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't listened to those episodes from like late September, October, go ahead and give those a listen. And we would love to hear more feedback. Um, Mm -hmm. As always, you can email us at info at soulgritresources.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. And we'd love to see your comments, but for today, we actually have a different topic coming off of, you know, the trauma series. It was a little bit heavy. It was a little, took a little bit more preparation today. We are going to talk about something that is just kind of feeling a little bit personal as the, the two of us raise kids. And we have kind of like middle grade kids. So, um, my youngest is second grade. My oldest is seventh grade. Mm-hmm. I'm a similar range. So we're fourth grade and seventh grade. Yeah. So we both have fourth graders and seventh graders. I just <laughs> yes. got the bonus second grader. <laughs> yes, you do. He's a good um, bonus though. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, so what's been happening here? And I, I thought maybe this was a different thing just because the community that I live in, in kind of the, what's known as the Inland Empire of California. So it's not like one of the big coastal cities, San Diego, LA, Orange County. It's kind of, it's inland. It's about an hour away from either of those places. And it's very much a place where families move to, uh, to raise their kids in like maybe a little bit slower pace than the big cities, but not totally out of reach of them. Mm-hmm. And, and then just describe your community. Yeah. Close, almost like what you're describing. So except 
we're um, pretty, it feels sometimes that the big city is out of reach. When Anne came to visit um, last <laughs> May, <laughs> just telling her we're going to the big city because that's how it feels. Like when we went to the city that we live near, um, just because it's like an hour drive from us. So we live out in farming community. I am surrounded currently by cornfields and beanfields um, everywhere as far as the eye can see. And a lot of our communities, we do have people that, they work in the city, but a lot of them, it is very slow paced. Mm-hmm. It like even going to restaurants and having stuff like that, like it's just not stuff nearby. The closest grocery store to my house mm-hmm. is 20 minutes away. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't explain kind of um, where I live. So it's very, um, I think that's the desire is slow paced living. That's what I'll say. Well, it's lead into what we're going to talk about. (laughs) The desire is slow paced living. I don't know that that's always the outcome. Yeah. So the reason we're even giving you this background on where we live and, and kind of what it feels like where we live is that um, raising kids in these environments has felt like, how do I say this? A busy I guess, I guess raising kids feels busy anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had the assumption that maybe it's just something weird about my community. But then when I talked to you, you said, no, it's like that here too. And what we're talking about is families that are overscheduled yes. and kids that no longer have any free play time. Um, they are going from um, scheduled activity to scheduled activity and things like family dinners and just uh, downtime to play outside, climb trees, things like that is just almost non-existent. And when it does happen, our kids don't really know what to do with it or how they're supposed to act or behave mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. when they do that. Yeah, yeah. Because I think for me, so I have two perspectives in my area in Indiana. So where I live is farming community, but where I work is close to the city. Mm-hmm. And what's really, it is fascinating when you take it into that, into that perspective is that it, it really isn't much different when we look at busyness though. Mm-hmm. That's why I say, I think people out here in what we call the country mm-hmm. um, of Indiana, they want slower paced living, but I'm seeing the same level of busyness um, put on family systems that I'm seeing where I work close to the city. It's the same type of um, scheduling that, mm-hmm. that I'm seeing. Yeah. What really brought this to the forefront for me is that both my boys got signed up for baseball this fall. And I think baseball, I mean, of any of the sports, that's the one I understand best. So that's the one I would prefer to watch. (laughs) But I mean, a lot of people complain that baseball is slow, but I, I, I get it and I can kind of follow what's going on. And so I'm glad that my boys are playing that. I'm glad that they're having a team experience, that they're learning a skill, that they're being active with their bodies, all of those benefits of sports. What I don't like, however, is that at seven and 10 years old, they are at practices multiple nights a week. Some of them are, some of the games are actually past their bedtimes. (laughs) And then on Saturdays as a family, we are at the field all day long to be able to do both of these boys games and all the other activities that go along with being on a team. Mm -hmm. And this feels really oppressive to me. And I know I'm just, I'm just a bad sports mom. I think like I'm not, that's not where I want to be with my time, but I do look at other families and I think, 
how are you doing this? How are you um, setting aside everything else that has to go on in a family so that your kids can participate in these intense activities? And we Mm -hmm. have other boys on our teams that are not just doing baseball three to four days a week. They're also doing football at the same time or gymnastics or a dance Mm -hmm. class or some other kind of tutoring or some, they're doing other things. It's not just their one activity. And I don't understand how families are doing this. Is that what you're experiencing? Yeah. And I would even challenge the being a bad sports mom because (laughs) same with baseball. First of all, this is why we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) Baseball is the one sport that I can kind of understand. like what is happening and follow along enough. And so definitely in my household, I'm the go sports gal who I have very little knowledge or frankly, interest in sports. Interest, right. <laughs> um, baseball is one of the exceptions and my boys uh, both play baseball. My youngest continues to play baseball. Um, but I have actually have these conversations with other moms often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm asking, I'm asking them how in the world, how in the world, And most of them say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I um, had a friend a couple weeks ago, just explain how, you know, over the summer they were like, just so excited for the school year to start because things would slow down Mm. and they have two kids in sports. And she's like, it's, we're literally running from the time I pick them up from school mm-hmm. all the way until past bedtime. So a lot of fast food meals, or if you're, if you're able and have capacity, you're making meals to take to the ball field. Right. But a lot of times it's grabbing something and where we live, you're driving. <laughs> it's not, I know super- what the options are in your community. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> uh, it's not great. And so I think that like, even moms who are doing that sometimes wonder how, are we doing that? And it's almost like I just see people going into survival mode. They're just like almost autopilot of just getting through. But I'm seeing that same trend, man, in most families that that are, especially ones that are involved in sports. I don't think it's always sports, but I think that's the one that's near and dear to our hearts because it's our experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may have mentioned at some point last year that I also had a, my daughter also did drumline last year, which her team was highly competitive and kind of intense for a sixth grader at that time. And yet it didn't feel as burdensome to the family. I think maybe Mm -hmm. because she's a little bit older, the practices were longer and mm-hmm. I could drop her off <laughs> and I yeah. could still go home. I can't, I don't feel comfortable with just dropping a seven-year-old out of ball field and going, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then we only had a very short season of competitions. Um, so there were a handful of weekends that were filled up with that. And then the rest of the year, we didn't have anything else going on. Mm-hmm. And so even though it was very intense, it was easier for me to manage, but also maybe because I like music better than sports. So <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, but still the level of intensity that we're expecting from kids at this, in this culture of like, everybody's got to get a scholarship or everybody's got to be competitive. And that in itself doesn't feel healthy to me, but just what could you just speculate that some of the mental health uh, risks we're taking with having these kind of overscheduled families? Mm-hmm. I can um, do 
I can speak from professional experience and personal experience here. I do. Um, A lot of my, you know, I work with um, teen clients and the ones that they're scheduled like this, when I ask them, so like, when are you resting? When are you, what are you doing for fun? And I get a blank stare. I'd take concern with that, right? Um, Their stress levels are so high. And I think about this, the way that I look at this in my mind is as an adult, someone who my frontal lobe is fully developed, right? hopefully <laughs> as developed as it can be, um, you know, I that I, I have, you know, and I've done a lot of work on being able to cope and being able to manage my stress. And if I were to be going from most of them are starting their days, specifically kids, I'll talk about the stress on the family too, but specifically with kids are starting their days at 7 a.m. sometimes, right? And going all the way until nine o'clock at night without a break. Mm-hmm. And then they go to bed and they get up and they do it all over again. Mm-hmm. And I start seeing the, the life drain out of their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they come to me and they're not sure why they feel depressed and why they feel like it's just monotonous. And even the things that bring them joy typically no longer do, they start feeling like chores. And it goes back to the window of tolerance conversation, right? So again, if you haven't listened to that, head back over, listen to that because it gives you a good framework for this because at some point you cross over your ability to cope with those things, right? And so um, I think for, especially for my, my younger people, that's the big thing that I see is they have no downtime. And you made a really good point in the beginning of like, then when they do, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to be bored. They have no idea or they're so exhausted mm-hmm. that they just want to veg out. Yeah. Um, and most of the time that vegging out is scrolling on YouTube or scrolling on social media. Um, and I think that comes with its own dangers, right? I think for, for adults, it's really, really adults are just, you know, we're like children and adult people bodies. <laughs> it's really not that much different mm-hmm. because if we're not having time, how do you have time to be creative? How do you have time to, um, you know, touch base with yourself. And then even like the role of Sabbath, which is probably a whole nother podcast Mm -hmm. to have at some point, but like the importance of having a Sabbath day, Mm -hmm. um, when we operate on autopilot, I guess it's just not how we're created to be. And so, um, it's a recipe for problems to come short term. Yes, we can do that. But when we make a lifestyle of it, year round year round yeah yeah Yeah. I think of it as almost a form of avoidance and Mm -hmm. we we see all these really good opportunities like have your kids do these good things um even as adults sign up for all the bible studies sign up for all the um you know classes with different things that you can do as a grown-up that that are good things Mm -hmm. and you're so busy that you really are not attending to matters of the soul Mm -hmm. or able to go deep into relationships or able to fish out why you react in certain ways when, when the stress gets turned up and we can't do those things if we're just go, go, go all the time. And it does become a form of productive escapism. 
really. Mm -hmm. It is escapism. And, you know, I had someone um, say something to me that really shifted my view of busyness. Um, And she was just explaining to me how she makes it a priority in her life to not fill up every moment of her schedule so that when someone does have a need, Mm -hmm. she has the capacity to meet that need. When there is something that she feels feels prompted by God to do or a place that she even realizes that she can serve and give, she makes sure she has space in her schedule for that. And I can just frankly bend towards the other side of busyness mm-hmm. and have my mentors in my life are constantly like, Jess, what are you saying yes to? How much free time do you have? Because it's almost like if I have free time, oh, that's something I can fill that space. I can plug something in there, plug, you know, even the good things, like you said, the things that have value. Um, It comes back to that concept of making my yes, my best yes. And what does that look like? That can be, it can be a hard shift to make though. Yeah, that's true. I have the same bent. I was talking to a newer friend recently and I was telling her all of the things that I do and that I'm involved in. And she went, Oh, you're a doer. <laughs> I was like, okay. uh, yeah, I guess that would be a good description. Hello, Enneagram three. And yeah, exactly. And even my sister has said to me before, like, I don't really exhibit the qualities of like workaholism, but she said, you do the same thing, but just with, with doing, like, you just want to do all the things. And it's true. Like I'm in my mind thinking I do all of these things, but real, what I would really like to do is these other 13 things too. (laughs) And I can't do all of the things. Yes. Yeah. And it does, doesn't that make it hard because the, it's not that you don't want to be doing those things. And and I even think that we can think that with sports families and families involved in multiple activities. It's not even that we don't want to do them. They can be really good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that almost makes it harder because yeah. we want to do them. So then we're now tasked with having to choose to say no to things we want mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and having to understand that, um, coming back to that, like, I might have to say no to something good so that later I can say yes to the things I'm actually being called to do. It's such a hard, yeah. it's, it's a hard balance, I think, to find. Yeah. If you've listened to the Soul Brit podcast for even one episode, you know, my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the eCourse, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling to marketing their practices to Christians to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. This past weekend, I've been doing a lot of reading and listening to podcasts about rest and about Mm. Sabbath, and Mm -hmm. we'll probably do another episode just on that. But I was like, okay, 
I I'm convinced now the Sabbath is the way to go. Let's do a Sabbath. <laughs> you know? I want to point out, you said, let's do a Sabbath. Right. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to Sabbath better than anybody has ever Sabbath before. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's my personality. <laughs> and so, but I knew like we have church commitments and stuff and we have yeah. baseball all day on Saturday. So yes. what it turned into is on Saturday, we were go, 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 go all day long from the beginning to the end. And then on Sunday, I was like, well, we're not going to go, 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 except for the, what we need, what we have at church. And so what it meant is I didn't do the grocery shopping. I didn't do the house cleaning. I didn't, you know, do the things that I would normally just kind of fill in on Sunday so that I could start my week fresh, you know, which meant that Monday morning came around and I had a to-do list that was a mile long. Yeah. I had, um, you know, cleaning to do, I had progress notes to catch up on from my clients. I had, you know, like just grocery shopping, all of the stuff had to happen on Monday, which thankfully I don't see clients on Monday, but that was, um, that was a lot. And I think about a lot of families that don't have that margin of like the extra catch up day, how mm-hmm. would they even do a Sabbath? And so I've been listening to some pastors like, like John Mark Comer talks a lot about, um, his practice of Sabbath, um, uh, Jefferson mm-hmm. Bethke, who's mm-hmm. also, um, these are two authors and pastors that have, um, written books, particularly about the subject. And I'm like, well, that's great. But when do your kids do baseball? <laughs> like yeah. when you do it, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that, how that figures in. So I am very early in the process of figuring out how to take that break in the week. Yeah, it is so hard, right? Because it does feel like when we look at it from that, it can feel like you have to choose either or we're either going to be involved in things or we're going to be restful people. Um, And I do think we're going to put it on the to-do list to do a Sabbath podcast, because I think there's so much to unpack there and to talk about rest, but no, I've had the same, the same thoughts of like, how do I, (laughs) okay, how do I create well-balanced children who have you know, cause I think there's so much value in being involved in extracurricular activities, right. Mm-hmm. While still upholding all of the things I do professionally, personally, in ministry, all of that, while also upholding social lives, eating healthy, going to the mm-hmm. grocery store. Like, how do you do all that? I had a friend, she was, she posted a post on Facebook and she's like, how did she's in her early twenties? How do you guys do this? And I was like, I don't think you do. I don't think can't you do can. all of them. You Perfect can't do family. all of them at the same level all the time. And this is where I think it comes down to, I was actually sharing with my husband the other day. I think it comes down to values. Mm -hmm. Really. I think when we can identify specifically personal values, but when we're talking about busyness and a family, family values, and I think it's in your family values that that's going to influence conversations, even past your scheduling, but even into your finances, right? Are we spending in accordance to what we see the values of our family to be? Mm-hmm. Um, are we spending time based on how our family values are? Because I'm actually seeing contention occurring in families because of busyness, yeah. because of um, this, you know, they're being pulled in many, many directions and feeling like they can't spend enough time together. Um, and that is one of their core values, but their life isn't 
living in accordance to that. And so I think even having that conversation of like, what do we value and how do I build that into the balance Mm -hmm. of how much time I'm giving into those things? Because I think that's part of it, right? What do we value? Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. So just to kind of lead people into this conversation here, we're talking about a couple of different things. We're talking about child-centric families, which is kind of its own thing. We're talking about overscheduling and busyness, which is another topic. And then we're talking about (laughs) rest and Sabbath, which deserves its own time. So I think what we'll do for the next few weeks, we'll dive into these topics And I think whether you are in the stage of, you know, being up in the night with newborns or you're in the stage of pre-kids, like having a busy career, trying to manage social life and all of that, or you're raising teenagers and they need to be picked up at 11 PM from something like what, where, wherever you're at, or maybe your kids are out of the house and you're figuring out like, what is life and scheduling look like now that nobody needs me to pick them up. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, that's maybe uh, we'll talk about how that's going to hit at different points in life and how yeah. to be really intentional. One of the resources that I'm probably, I'll do a little recap in um, a future episode. There's a book called the intentional family by William mm. Doherty, who was yes. a professor and a therapist out of the university of Minnesota. And he wrote this book that I just thought was like everybody, every family needs to read it, the intentional yes. family. So I'll go over some of the points that he's talking about in there. And while I think he's personally a Christian at the book, it does not come specifically from a, a Christian perspective. Hmm. Um, so it's regardless of whether you're trying to honor God with a Sabbath, <laughs> there's still some choices you need to make to have a successful family. Yeah. Yeah. So We'll go over a few of those things. So make sure you're tuning in over the next few weeks as Jess and I unpack that. And as we can find other people to weigh in on that too, we might have some interviews, um, not, not scheduled yet, but we'll, we'll do the best we can to bring you good content. And as always, we appreciate you being able to interact with us, whether that is in person because you know us, or you're sending us a message on one of the social media platforms or an email that really is um, so encouraging to us when we know that you're listening and that you're interacting with the content that you've Mm -hmm. found it helpful. So keep doing that. And I would say if you have like any questions, even that could give us some direction to, to make sure that we're discussing the things that are on your hearts and your minds. Um, So send some questions and the ones we'll try to get to them, you know? Yeah. We've never had a question that we haven't addressed. Yeah. So (laughs) ask the questions. (laughs) Okay, guys. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.